Hey folks, we're just now wrapping up our short production break as we get ready to take a deep dive into the 1970s criminal underworld in Greenville, South Carolina. We're coming back next week with a brand new full episode. Last week, we spent some time with Andy Etheridge and let him explain just how he came to be involved in this investigation. This week, we're taking you back to the Looper home place, that spot in the 1100 block of Pendleton Street that for decades was home to thousands of happy memories and in 1975, turned into a landmark for one of Greenville's worst days. To take you back 100 years, I spoke to 91-year-old Julia McCauley and her daughter, Adele. Back then, Julia was Julia Looper. I grew up in the house. All of us were born and raised in that house. You go in the front door and there was a hallway and on the right was a living room. On the left was a bedroom. And then there was a big room in the middle, a kitchen over here. And we had a big dining room table in there, and that's we had a heater. Back then, you didn't have heating in there. And then another bedroom to the right. And that we just had two bedrooms, and there was three of us. We had two beds in one bedroom, and my mother and daddy slept in one, and my sister and I slept in the other one. Rufus Jr., that's my brother, he had the front bedroom. And we just had one bath. Back then, you didn't have much. And we had chairs and a radio, and that was our sitting room. Real tall ceilings. I can remember being little, I mean, you know, like five or six years old, when they still lived there. Yeah. And we would go there, and they would listen. They didn't have soap operas on TV then, but they had the, they called them the stories on the radio. And remember how everybody would sit around and listen yeah. to the radio? And when I was a teenager, you know, I liked Perry Como. And I would have the radio on with Perry Como, and Daddy would come up from a shop. He said, shut that noise off. <laughs> what didn't he like about Perry Como? He didn't like that modern music. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was a mechanic as well then? Yeah, he could make anything. He, um, If he couldn't get a part, he had a lathe that he made his own parts. Mm -hmm. His family grew up pretty rough, pretty poor. And I don't know, was he the baby of the family or Who? granddaddy? I think a nanny was. Back then, you know, very few people went all the way through high school. And he had, I guess he quit school or had to quit school when he was in the third grade. But he was self-educated pretty much. And my understanding is as soon as automobiles got to be the thing, he learned how to work on cars. If he didn't have a part, he would just manufacture the part there. And he was always making things, and even to this day, I mean, I've still got can openers and knives and uh, ladles and things that he made using that lay. He was very smart. He really could have gone places, but he, he made his own. We had plenty to eat all the time and stayed clean and had plenty of clothes, but he okay. made a good living for us. And of course, we always had a garden and we always had hogs. And in the cold weather, uh, my mother's brothers were all meat cutters. There were five of them. And so they'd come up there and we'd pick the coldest day in the winter and uh, set up tables in the garage and they'd put white paper on it and butcher a hog and hang it up. They'd cut up everything. and I mean, it was a lot of work back then. He made his own tractor. But here it is. This mm -hmm. is a picture of him on his tractor. He made this tractor out of old Chevrolet car parts. 
my gosh. <laughs> and this is the garage. You can see. Oh, my gosh. That is the same garage. And I'm sure those are the pecan trees because they were always, there was three or four big pecan trees back there. He was quite a character. I mean, he could do, he really could do just about anything. And he was really a good, honest man. He believed in God. You know, we went to church every Sunday and Sunday school and all that. So he was a good father. And I knew better than to misbehave. I might get the belt. <laughs> <laughs> and so your father operated his garage out of the same garage that um, your brother went on to work, work in? Well, after my daddy retired, uh, he had a house built out in the country mm -hmm. near Berea, and uh, they moved out there. And, of course, he liked to farm, and he had good gardens and all that. Rufus and Vera, that was his wife. My brother and his wife were in, living in the house that I was born and raised in, and that was not right next to the garage. He handed down the family business essentially then to your mm -hmm. brother. Was your brother as skilled and um, was, I mean, did he well, take it? He, he could fix anything, but I don't remember, remember him making anything like Daddy did from scratch. What I remember mostly about Rufus Jr., that's what we called her brother, was mm -hmm. Rufus Jr., was that he loved to hunt and fish. Granddaddy liked to hunt. I don't think he was too big in fishing, was well, he? Well, he used to do all that and. Uh, We've had all kind of wildlife that we'd uh, cooked. Well, I remember always, you know, cleaning rabbits and cleaning squirrels and fish. And they had a huge garden. I mean, like acres. Not at the home place. That was out in, at the farm. I'd spent a lot of time out there in the summer. And we went over there a lot after school. And we were always shelling peas or cutting corn off or doing something. We were always getting vegetables ready to, to can. I loved it. I, I just loved all that. Did you uh, enjoy exposing your daughter to that life? Um, I mean, was that just a normal life for you, or was it something that um, was special for her to be able to participate in? Well, I thought it would be a... Uh, I didn't really think anything about it. I just It just came natural That's for us to go. Did. As the Looper family grew and started to spread out, Julia raised a family of her own and took on a bit of her father's entrepreneurial spirit. Mother, being mother, she started her own cake decorating. She would do all of these elaborate wedding cakes. On the weekends, I mean, she was always doing this. Well, I took a cake decorating course, and I started making birthday cakes for my own family. And then neighbors and all, they'd see it, and they'd ask me to do theirs. So I started charging them. <laughs> And I just got into it and kept on going. And I had a lot of good clientele. A lot of rich people got me to do them. I got, I got to ask a question. Okay. When you were little and she was making cakes, mm -hmm. did she shave the top of them off um, when she was trying to make them flat? And if so, did you get any of the scrap? Yeah, that was the best part is, you know. Around the bottom, you'd have to trim off a little bit. You want to know why I know that? Your mama did. My mom did the exact same thing you did. It didn't start as a business. She started doing it just because somebody All wanted right. her to. And the next thing I know, um, for you know, five to six years of my life, I'm eating cake shavings mm -hmm. all the time. It was the best thing in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have to make your flowers ahead to let them dry so they won't fall off. <laughs> yeah, I, I did 30 years of that. All of that led up to Adele being out on her own and starting to see Greenville 
for what it really was. I mean, I think about the way Greenville was all the time. I mean, just I can tell you where every street was, every building, every business. It's sort of sad sometimes. I love to go back up there and I ride. I just, I'll go ride around for hours. We didn't have any malls back then. No, you know, Myers Arlen and Ivy's mm -hmm. and all these places were downtown and we'd go shopping. The area now that's like the beautiful Reedy River Park, that used to be warehouses. The Reedy River ran through there. There was an ice plant down there. That river smelled like rotten fish all the time. I mean, it was really polluted. It just seemed like once you got past Belks, where Belks was and the Greenville News, and you started going west, it sort of went downhill. And then um, around the Army-Navy store and through there, that was kind of like a bad part. And then you got to Pendleton Street, Baptist Church, and then there was just like that little strip there going on down into West Greenville. And see, I always thought of that as kind of a safe, good place because thinking about it, their house was probably the biggest house in that general area. And it was really right next to practically the downtown, where, which is now an art district. At that time and that age, you know, this is in the late 60s, early 70s, life for my age group and my social group seemed to revolve around whatever went on at the Carolina Drive-In. Everybody on Friday and Saturday nights, you got in your car with a whole bunch of other people and you would make your rounds and you'd cruise downtown, you'd go down the main street, you'd go to the Carolina Drive-In, you'd go to the Palmetto. There was like three or four, but the Carolina was where most of the people that went to my school hung out. The thing then was smoking pot and some people did pills. I was always very curious about pot and I knew that there was a lot of that going on. And then um, people started coming back from Vietnam and when they would come back from Vietnam, they would come and hang out at the drive-ins. And you know, you'd park your car at the drive-in, you'd order a chili cheeseburger and a Coke, and everybody would go from car to car and talk about what was going on and who's back in town and that kind of thing. And I can remember when these people started coming back from Vietnam, a lot of them had used heroin when they were in Vietnam. And when they got back to Greenville, it turns out Greenville was a very convenient place to get heroin. And there was a lot of heroin traffic going in and out of Greenville. You know, this was sort of an unsavory place. The Looper home place seemed to die with Frank and Rufus Looper. Vera Looper couldn't stay in the home anymore. By 1977, it was a rental property. You could get it for $150 a month. The classified ad for the rental read, five rooms, one bath, a fenced backyard, and a big garage. Today, the Looper's home place is a parking lot for a children's theater. We'll go back there, back to 1975, next week when we pick up the story with a full episode on April 30th.